And I'll invite you to find the book of Revelation in your Bibles, Revelation chapter 1. As we hear those children's voices fading down the hallways, giggling and laughing, let's pray and ask for God's help to understand and receive his word. Would you bow with me? Father, we do ask that you would please speak to us in your word. There are so many things that work against us here. There are spiritual forces that do not want us to be receptive to your word. Our remaining sinful elements in our heart are hard and they're not pliable and the word bounces off. And in our own just frailty, we we just get sleepy and distracted and hungry. And there's just so many things that work against us being attentive and able to fully embrace your word. And I just ask that you would overcome every single one of those things this morning. You would give us ears that hear and eyes that see and soft, receptive hearts. We trust you for this, knowing that it's a miracle, that it is your work. We look to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for praying with me. Our passage today is really only one half of one verse, but we're going to read uh, a little bit more than that to get the full context. We're going to read Revelation chapter 1, verses 4 and the first part of verse 5. But it's that, that part of verse 5 that we're really going to focus on. Let's just read that together. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of kings on earth. What we have today in God's word is an invitation from God to receive grace and peace from Jesus Christ. Grace, we talked about these last week, grace is unearned blessings. It's benefits, kindness, goodness, blessings, favor that we didn't earn, but that God extended toward us through Jesus Christ because he is so good and he is so loving. That's what grace is, is him extending goodness to you through Jesus Christ, his favor resting upon you. Peace is wholeness. It's it's that tranquility that comes from when you are put back together, whole again, as a person, whole in your relationship with God, that relationship intact, whole in your relationships with other people. In this fallen world, all that stuff gets broken. It's like broken bones that have to be reset and have to heal And so God is inviting us to receive that healing wholeness through Jesus Christ and that undeserved blessing through Jesus Christ this morning. And I can already think of two obstacles that stand in the way from us receiving that. So I'm going to point them out. There may be more. You may think of others, but I'm going to point out two obstacles that might stop you from receiving grace and peace, these real, wonderful, awesome blessings from God through Jesus Christ this morning. One of them is You might be someone who has grown up in church and you've heard the good news of Jesus Christ a million times and you might be thinking, well, this is an evangelistic message. This is for people who haven't become Christians yet. I've been a Christian for years. I've been a Christian for decades. I've got baptized a long, long time ago. I already know Jesus. I've already received grace and peace from him. I don't need to hear this again. Well, 
it's true that this is an evangelistic message. I do hope if anybody who is in here who has not received these things through Jesus Christ will receive them. That's absolutely true. But it's not true that it's irrelevant for you if you are a Christian already and if you're already mature or maturing. You need this. The grace and peace that God offers to us through Jesus Christ isn't a one-time sort of ticket into Christianity. It is the daily bread that we need. We need it every day. You need a fresh influx of God's grace and peace through Jesus Christ every day. It's like an outlet and a plug. Have you ever had one of those multi-plug things? You plug it into your outlet and it transforms it from having two outlets to having like six outlets and you load it all up with plugs to the point that it's so heavy that it's always falling off. And if it falls out from the original outlet, everything loses power. Well, that's what this is. This is us making sure we're plugged into the outlet of Jesus Christ to have a continual supply of grace and peace. Because there's so many forces in this world that are always trying to knock, it, knock us out of the outlet to where we're on our own power. So where we're on our own and we aren't receiving daily grace and peace through Jesus Christ. So let's set that obstacle aside. This is for everyone in the room. The other obstacle, you might somewhere in the recesses of your mind think, well, this is just gonna be abstract. This is just soft, fluffy stuff. This is theology. I need concrete advice for my real life right now. I have issues at work. I have problems in my family. I have emotional struggles. I need like three steps to feel good. (laughs) I don't need more about these theological ideas of grace and peace. It's almost like reading the inside of a greeting card. It's just fluffy, nice sounding, but kind of empty. Again, we can move this obstacle out of the way. And I assure you, this, what we're going to see here about receiving grace and peace from Jesus Christ is as practical and actionable and real as putting your pants on in the morning. And you'll see why as we go. So if you, if you were tempted to check out mentally because of either of those two obstacles, they're gone now. This is for you. And this is going to be helpful for you for real in your real life. What we have in, the, in just verse five here is an invitation to receive grace and peace from Jesus Christ and then a threefold description of Jesus Christ. Now, the way I want you to receive these three descriptive titles for Jesus is as clues to how you might receive grace and peace from him. So think of it like this. If I were to, let's pretend, pretend that you've never met Tom Brock, for example. Some of you may want to pretend that. I'm just kidding. Pretend that you've never met Tom Brock and you came in this morning and I said, you've got to meet Tom Brock. You're going to be so blessed if you meet Tom Brock. He is fantastic at balloon animals. Now you can do a little detective work and you can guess that the reason I think you'll enjoy meeting Tom Brock must be because you're going to receive a balloon animal or you're going to see some cool pictures of balloon animals. Why else would I have described him that way immediately after inviting you to come and connect with him? That's what these three descriptions are. You will receive grace and peace from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of kings on the earth. So we can can assume that these are three modes in which we can expect to receive grace and peace from Jesus. And these are hints as to how we might reach out and grab that grace. Okay, is everybody with me so far? Okay. 
If you'll hang with me, Tom's going to make you a balloon animal after the service. So let's look at them each in turn, even though they're all connected, especially the, the final two. The first description, he is the faithful witness. Faithful just means reliable, true, trustworthy. Witness is just what you might picture like a witness on a witness stand in a court. is someone who testifies. is someone who is conveying what is true to those who listen. So Jesus is the reliable source of truth. Most immediately, it's referring to the book of Revelation as his testimony. More broadly, you can extrapolate that out to cover the whole Bible as the testimony of Jesus Christ. It is 100% true. It is 100% reliable as a source for truth. When you think about it, it's the only 100% reliable source of truth, the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, you have many sources of truth in your life, and you build your life out of the truth that you gain from these sources. The quality of your sources will result in the quality of the life that you build. And when you think about it, there is no other 100% reliable source of truth other than the faithful witness, Jesus Christ, in his testimony, the Bible. Is the news 100% reliable as a source for truth? No, it's not. It's always tainted by some level of bias or some level of human mistake. That's why they have to print retractions. That's why different news outlets seem to almost contradict each other sometimes. So it's not 100% reliable. Our politicians are 100% reliable source of truth. No, they're always spinning, 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 trying to shape your perception to what they need it to be for what they're trying to accomplish. They're always emphasizing the things they want you to see, and they're always de-emphasizing the things that they hope you won't notice. So that's not a 100% reliable source of truth. Are your peers a 100% reliable source of truth? Your colleagues, your friends, your contemporaries? Well, no, they're just trying to figure things out just like you are. That's like kids in school, elementary school, middle school, high school, who build their lives based on the input of their peers. So one day, as we know as adults, you'll look back on that and see how foolish that was because they didn't know any more than you did back then. You can't build your life from there. Your own memory isn't a reliable source of truth. It's not 100% reliable. Any spouses in here ever remember things differently from one another? Both spouses equally certain that their memory is correct? Did that ever happen? It's never happened to me and Meredith, but I had a thought maybe it might have happened to you at once or twice. But. Google false memory sometime this week and read some articles about false memory and it'll have you questioning everything you ever thought was true about your past. Our memories are messed up because of the, because of the fall. Some of them work better than others, but they're not 100% reliable as a source for truth. There's only one. It's the faithful witness, Jesus Christ. So, Jesus teaching about how to live his life in the, in the Sermon on the Mount finished, and he said, if you will build your life out of this material that I've given you, you'll be like a man who built on rock. And the winds come and the waves crash, but it stays. 
If you don't, if you ignore my teaching and the truth that I'm giving you as the faithful witness, and you build your life out of other materials from other sources of truth, you'll be like the man who built his home in the sand, and the winds came, and the waves crashed, and it blew it away. I have seen some impressive structures built out of sand. Has anybody ever been at the beach and, and seen somebody who's got all the tools and they really know what they're doing and they've perfected the craft and they're building this amazing sand castle out of sand? So much work, so much design. It's, it's beautiful and awesome. But in 24, 48 hours, it's gone. Because you, you would never want to build your actual house out of that. Now contrast that with some of these stone church structures in downtown Blowing Rock around near where the campground is. I actually went into some of those this last family trip up to Blowing Rock. These stone structures have been around forever and they're going to be around for a long time because they're built out of solid material. What are the sources of truth that you're using to build your life? If you're building it out of any other source of truth other than Jesus Christ, it's going to be like sand. It's not going to hold up. Here we have an invitation to receive grace and peace, God's unmerited favor and blessings and wholeness, healing in relationship to ourselves and God and other people. How do we receive it? How do we plug ourselves into Jesus Christ to receive this grace and peace? Well, what he seems to be hinting at here is plug into him as the faithful witness. How would you benefit from a faithful witness? By listening to them. That's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward, but... That's one of the main ways you will receive daily fresh grace and peace from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. Listen to him. And you, you might be thinking, well, duh, that's not news. I'm here, aren't I? You might be surprised at how many church people and even Christians don't listen to the faithful witness. Sometimes there's not a sense of expectation that this is going to benefit there's not a sense of the importance of it. There's more a sense of entertain me. It's more of a sense of this better be good. Now, I'm not saying that that's you guys. I'm saying in general, we see that a lot. There's a lot of Christians that don't really want to put forth the effort to learn how to read their Bibles on their own. And I think that behind that may be that you don't realize how valuable it is to hear the testimony of the faithful witness. So to receive grace and peace from Jesus Christ, start here. Listen, take notes, ask questions, discuss it later, figure it out. Grab hold of it. Learn how to have a quiet time at home. Receive the testimony. He is the faithful witness. He is also the firstborn of the dead. Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead. Now this one is not as immediately apparent what it means I want you to receive it in two dimensions. Those two dimensions are sequence and status. So first, let's look at the first dimension of sequence. Jesus is the firstborn of the dead sequentially. Just literally, he's just the first one through that door. He is the first one who was raised to new and eternal life with the Father. Now, there are other people who've been raised from the dead, like Lazarus, but he eventually died again. And so Jesus is the firstborn of the dead. Just like many of you who are the oldest siblings in your family, you are the firstborn of those brothers and sisters. Jesus is the first of many brothers and sisters who will be raised from the dead upon his return. 
He's the first one. The Bible calls him the first fruits. So it's like he was the first one to blossom in terms of resurrection. Many others are going to follow. I really think what is in view here is the second dimension about status. Being the firstborn in this ancient culture was a status that you held. It puts you in an important position in the family. You were the next in line to be the head of that family when the patriarch died. You had an important role and place in terms of the inheritance in that family. Uh, We aren't exactly like that today, but we're not too far removed from it. I know in my dad's family, when my grandmother passed away many years ago, then my grandfather passed away just a few years ago, he, as the firstborn son, naturally stepped into the role of dealing with the estate, figuring out what to do with the house, what to do with all the assets, all those things naturally fell to him. All the siblings looked to him as the firstborn son, as the one who would take care of all those things. So Jesus, as the firstborn of the dead, he's first in the line of resurrection, but he's also the top of the org chart. He is the prominent one. He is at the top, the most important. Colossians 1.18 hits on this. I'll read that to you briefly. Colossians 1.18, down about halfway, it says, he, referring to Jesus, is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that or so that in everything he might be preeminent. So Jesus as the firstborn of the dead is preeminent. He's number one. He is the most important one. Now this flows right into the third description of Jesus. So we're just gonna go right into that ourselves as well because they're so closely connected. So receive grace and peace from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and finally the ruler of kings on earth. He is the ruler of kings on earth. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 20 and 21 capture this really well. Here Paul is writing about the power of God that is at work in the church. And as he's describing it, he says it's the power in verse 20 that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all rule and authority, and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Are you following the idea here? There's no one higher than Jesus Christ. In terms of royalty, there is no one higher than him. There's never been a king on earth higher than Jesus Christ. In terms of power, there is no one higher than him. In terms of authority, in terms of majesty. There is no one, there never has been anyone, there never will be anyone higher than Jesus Christ, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of kings on the earth. Donald Trump is not higher than Jesus Christ. Congress is not higher than Jesus Christ. Your boss at work is not higher than Jesus Christ. Your teacher at school is not higher than Jesus Christ. Your peers are not higher than Jesus Christ. And you yourself are not even a higher authority over your life than Jesus Christ. He is the ruler of kings. Now for the people first receiving the book of Revelation, this would have been really clear what this meant for them. They were living in a Roman province where they would have been pressured to believe that the leader of Rome was basically a god. 
pressured to even worship him possibly. And so for them to say, no, there is a higher king than Caesar, it, might got, it could get them killed even, potentially. Now, we're not pressured to do that. Nobody is pressured to worship our president as if he is a god. I think more relevant for us is the idea of ourselves as an authority. We tend to live our lives as if we're the little kings and queens of our life. We are the monarch of our realm, our stuff, our time, our resources. I am the king of my little domain. But the Bible says, no, Jesus Christ is the ruler of all kings. And he is the highest authority in your life too. So what he's getting at here in Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, is that Jesus is uniquely qualified for your attention and your allegiance. Your attention and your allegiance. If you want to plug into him for grace and peace, plug in by listening to him and living for him. How many Christians live lives lacking grace and lacking peace because they're not plugged into Jesus Christ by listening to him and living for him, obeying what he has said? If you will plug into him for these things, your time in scripture like this right now, the sermon time each week or your daily time in the word becomes like a meeting with the king himself. And he's giving you truths to hang on to, to take and to build your life from. He's giving you promises that you can cling to and hope in with absolute certainty. He's giving you commands to obey and to act on, to to shape your day-to-day decisions and living. He's giving you warnings to heed. He's giving you a mission to fulfill. And it becomes very, very exciting. And it becomes an inlet for grace and peace. I told you at the beginning that this would not be abstract. It would be as practical as putting your pants on in the morning. Two ways for you to plug into Jesus to receive grace and peace. One, keep coming to the weekly sermon. I'll do my best to give you the testimony of Jesus Christ without twisting it or clouding it up. I'll try to make it as clear as I can. And I need you to meet me halfway. Come expecting to get reliable truth from him to build your life on. Two, a daily quiet time is a huge source of grace and peace through Jesus Christ for you. There are a lot of people that just think that they can't do it, that it's not for them. They've tried to read the Bible on their own and it fell flat. They don't know where to start. They don't know where to begin. And I understand all those things. And I would love to help you establish a daily time meeting with the king. I'll talk to you any day about that. If you're not sure where to start, it may be unorthodox, but we're preaching through Revelation right now. Just start in Revelation. Just read one passage a day. There'll be a lot you don't understand, but there'll be some that you do, and you can hang on to that. That is reliable truth for you, and it's what you need. Grace and peace flow into our lives through these things through listening and living for Jesus. We experience fresh forgiveness, fresh mercy, fresh grace, freedom from our sins, newness of life, growth in Christ-likeness. We experience that healing wholeness that he promises through Jesus Christ. Our relationship with God begins to click into place and we begin to worship him and trust him and revere him and love him and receive his love in return. Our relationship with the people in our lives begins to click into place as we're able to extend grace and peace to them 
We can forgive and we can be merciful and we can be gracious and we can serve and we can love. Our relationships within ourselves become whole as guilt and shame fade away, as faith stabilizes us and enables us to be okay in the midst of turbulence, as Jesus' aim for our life begins to take hold and we get traction in our daily living. I want you to receive grace and peace from Jesus Christ. I don't want you to come and do churchy stuff and then go, go back out and live your lives scrounging for scraps to get through each day, just trying to distract yourself like so many do. I want you to abound in the grace and peace that God offers through Jesus Christ. One of the ways that he invites us to do that is to listen to Jesus and to live for him. Let's pray together. Father, would you help each and every one of us understand where we are in relationship to Jesus Christ as the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth. And I pray that you would help each and every one of us plug into Jesus and receive grace and peace from him by listening, by living for him. So we trust you to guide us from here, how to live in light of what we've heard just this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.